Well, here we are. Third weekend, thinking about this theme of go tell it on the mountain, because you also are called to be a herald to those who have no hope. We talked about the first, at the first uh, sermon of the series, is the fact that the people in the Old Testament, the people of God anticipated that root, that branch of David, that one that would come as a ruler. And so the Jewish folks knew that the hope of the Messiah would bring something uh, so wonderful that they would endure all that they would do through the history to see God unfold his redemptive plan. That branch of David, that hope of Israel, uh, came to uh, be born in a little manger. And so we know from that anticipation that there was one from last week who wanted to destroy that hope. The abuse of evil is to destroy any kind of faith, any kind of love, any kind of affection that you would have for this one who would become king. And today we look at one more aspect of this, that this this hope, this story that's unfolding, this redemptive good news is going to be actualized. It's not just a theory uh, in the past that it becomes a reality as God intervenes and breaks into our world with a real hope and a real message. And so today, as we look at the Christ event actualized, we're going to focus on this theme of a, that, that when God, and the idea that God has appeared, and the wondrous mystery that, that when God appears, there is something behind this that if you, if you just meditate for a while, what you'll find is this. Our God is not silent. Our God is not unknowing. But our God wants to be intimately known. And therefore, the passion of God our Father is to reveal himself to each and every one of us. He wants to disclose, manifest, show Declare, explain, Jesus in John 1 says, No man at any time has ever seen God, only the begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. We live in a world today where people are seeking religious experiences and they're seeking signs and they want to see, quote, God and they want God to do something for them. And so there's a lot of people who are committed to rituals, committed to <clears throat> disciplines. They'll be aesthetic and they'll, they'll beat themselves or deprive of themselves. And, and yet in the long run, there's a lot of those folks who say, I, I haven't found him. The idea that where do you find God? How do you, how do you experience this God of glory? And so a lot of people are really confused because they get involved in religious systems and they find that the systems don't reveal this God of glory. And yet that's what's our focus today when we look at the appearing of this branch of David, this king from of old. We want to find something that this God who is not silent, who is the word, and that word of the Father 
that Jesus explains. Whenever God appears in Scripture, he always brings an accompanying promise, a purpose. But you only find that in his presence. And so when you think about the appearing of of Christ's child, first of all, note this, that it's the person of Christ that is the focal point. Not the experience, not the healing, not the issues. It's Christ himself. And therefore, adoring him, moving into that worship of who you are and what you do in relationship to me and the body as a whole, I want to see God. And so Philip would have the Gentiles come to Philip and say, Sir, we would see Jesus. That's all we want. We want to see Christ, and if you see Christ, you see the Father, as Jesus would say. Well, these experiences of seeing God in the, in the, in the language of the religious uh, literature, what you'll find is you'll have epiphanies, the strange word, we don't use that word very much, or theophanies, but they have to do with this idea that God has been manifested and you see God at work in some way. And so this idea of epiphany is the appearance of the manifestation. God has shown up and has shown himself. He's shown his purposes. He's shown his promises. But the idea that when God speaks, there's a mystery because we have lost that understanding of how to know God. Paul said it this way, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we've, we miss understanding that full intense of glory that even if we were to see it, we may not see it because our inability to see God, our inability to interpret how God works in our world is really a very powerful thing. And so as uh, this... Mr. Covington said, Dennis Covington said, mystery is not the absence of meaning, but it's the presence of more meaning than we can comprehend. Our ability to comprehend or perceive God when he shows up is part of our our challenge to know which is of God, which is of the Spirit, and which is not. And yet you know this passage in Hebrews 13 too. The writer says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. If God were one of us, goes the song, would we be able to see God in our presence? So to see and yet not see, to know and yet not know. The whole point of the passage is to say that there's something that God is doing that we may not be able to see. And Jesus would say that to his disciples. And they said, well, he said to the Pharisees, well, uh, you, you didn't do this to me. Uh, you didn't come and visit me when I was naked, when I was sick, and when I was locked in prison. You didn't come and visit me. You didn't come and feed me. And yet this interaction on the human level, as we go through life, we miss the divine. And that's what this is all about. When you have God appearing, epiphany means it's a shining forth. When you, when you use the word epiphany, it talks about 
coming to the point of, of, of an understanding, an aha moment. And in some churches, you may know that there is a celebration in worship called the Epiphany Service. In January, a lot of the Eastern uh, and some of the Orthodox churches will have an Epiphany Service, which celebrates the appearing the manifestation, the public witness that the Magi has come, and that's called the Epiphany. The, 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 the shepherds, the Magi had an Epiphany that over here in Bethlehem was going to be born a king. And so this, this awareness that God made known to the Magi that there's this king to be born. An Epiphany, as it were. This Epiphany, you may hear this word say, ah, I, I, I now understand. And so that shining forth leads to an insight into the meaning that you now get it. You see the meaning. You see the value. But it's a sudden realization about the value and the meaning and the truth that this is God himself at work. And once you have that, quote, epiphany, uh, you, you understand and you feel God is pressing in on you. And you, something happens inside of you. When God speaks, something happens. And so there's something internally that you are called, drawn to, because you are opened up and you've been made more aware that this one you now see. You now see. The Hebrew word is the seeing of God leads to an understanding of his identity, his person, his character, and his purposes for Israel and beyond. But remember that epiphany from the Magi said that the Gentiles, the Gentiles, the, the Babylonians, the people who are not Israelites, they came to know that God was interested in the nations. And therefore, when beginning with Abraham, Abraham would know from the theophany, now, that's a different word. Epiphany is just the showing that, ah, I get it. But theophany means the very presence of God being manifested in relationship as God would manifest himself in the Old Testament, showing himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And here we see Abraham seeing these three men standing near him. And as soon as he saw them, he ran to the entrance of the tent to greet them. And bowing down to the ground. Abraham had an experience where God himself met Abraham. Now this is interesting. Because the Abrahamic covenant told what God was going to do through Abraham. To bless him. To make his name great. And be the father of many nations. But the interesting thing as I went through this story of Abraham. Is that God never told Abraham his name. He was Elohim, the great God, the mighty God, but he didn't have a name. So here's the question for you. Who is the first man or woman in the Bible who heard the name of God? Ding, you got it right, Moses. <laughs> what was his name? God appeared to Moses. And how did he appear? Well, he appeared in a theophany. 
There was an experience and a a drawing of Moses into this relationship where Moses was called to a burning bush, but the bush wasn't burning, wasn't consumed, and there was something supernatural happening here. Now notice, God is not the burning bush. But the burning bush was the signal of the presence of God and says, Moses, take off your shoes because the place you are standing is holy ground, not because it's a bush, but because God's presence made it holy. And Moses understood that. And then God said to Moses, Moses, I'm going to call you to shepherd my people out of Egypt. And that's when, for the first time in Exodus 3, God says, well, if I'm going to go talk to your people, who shall I say sent me? What is your name? And the response is, I am who I am. That's a funny name. It's where we get the word hallowed. When we ask God to hallow his name, we ask God to be all that he is in all that his name implies. And so as Moses leads through uh, the wilderness, leads leads the Israelites through the wilderness, he becomes uh, adding more and more information about who he is. And so he would say to Moses, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am your provision. As he gets into the promised land, I am Jehovah Nishi. I am your victory. I am Jehovah Shalom. I am your peace. And, and, and you take Jehovah, J-E, cut off Jehovah, and add S-U-S, Jesus, short for Jehovah, S-U-S, I am your salvation. And so every time there's a more... Um, There's a theophany, there's an epiphany, there's an experience, there's more exposure, more and more and more, because God is introducing himself more on a personal level that he is a God who is not silent. And yet, Abraham didn't know that, his name, but he knew his purposes, and he would come to be really intimate with the Father. And one day... As Paul would say, Abraham knew about Christ. We have to go back in Galatians and read that. But for the Old Testament, every time God appears, there's a more of a communication, more of an understanding. This way, I want you to know who I am, would be the intent of the heart. So Jeremiah would say it this way, the Lord has appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And God wants us to know that grace from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you see in particular that God was passionate about getting the nations that witness. And therefore, when he called the Magi and they had this epiphany, oh, we're going to go follow this one who's going to show us his goodness and kindness and love. They came And they came, we don't know how many came, typically the song is three kings, but because of the three gifts. But they understood something. Now if you're going to bring a gift to a baby, uh, 
you're having a baby shower. Uh, you wouldn't bring what these guys brought. And so what were those three gifts? You remember, and you may know what these things mean, but they're not for babies because it wasn't built on the, the baby, the, what the child needed so much as it was what they understood who that child was. And so they brought him gold. And gold represents what the Queen of Sheba did when, they came, when she came to Solomon. She brought masses and masses of gold to honor the royalty. Gold symbolizes wealth and a kingdom. Of course, the frankincense. The frankincense, frankincense is the only spice used in the temple, used in worship. It's costly, aromatic, and it is to be purified but the frankincense, again, was only for a king. Not just any kind of incense, but this thing of myrrh they brought that this king would represent something else that is different. It, myrrh is a spice used in the temple for worship as well, but it's also used in burials and funerals. If you have a liquid form of myrrh, you put it in the oil for anointing. And therefore, these magi, when they came, they knew that this one, this branch of Israel, this king of Israel, this would be a special Israel uh, prophecy being fulfilled, and they could be included in on it. But how did they know that? How did they know that? Well, they knew it for the same reason that you came to know Christ, because it was the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, pointing to this Messiah Christ, who's going to lead them back to the covenant of Abraham, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the personal God, the God who's not silent. He made known to us, Paul says, the mystery of his will according to the kind intention which he purposed in Christ. Ephesians 1. And it says, Paul says, and I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, again, Father and the Messiah, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, theophany, an understanding, the revelation in the knowledge of him. And I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened and that appearance of God in your heart, in your soul, you would understand fully the presence of God when you look upon Christ. That's for you, believer. That's for me. But looking upon him, that our heart would be enlightened so that, get this word again, you will know. Grasp it apprehend it in such a way that you will know what the hope is that God has called you. The hope of your calling. The hope of your involvement. The hope that you belong to him. The hope that you're adopted in him. He wants you to know with assurance that kindness of his grace. And that you would know the riches of his glory. <coughs> of the inheritance in all the saints. What you have, I have. We all have. God has opened up heaven, and he wants you to grasp that in such a way that it touches your heart, in such a way that you're out of Egypt. 
that you're out of darkness, that you're out of doubt, that you're out of what the surpassing greatness of his power towards who? Towards us. That God is at work moving towards each one of you, each in, in all of us. This is what God did in the Old Testament. That's what he did in the New Testament when he said that the people who were sitting in darkness, who couldn't see, couldn't move, upon them, the God who is not silent, the God who is, wants to be known, he shone his light and the people saw the great light. And those who were sitting in the land, upon them the, the shadow of the death, upon them a great light dawned. And that dawning light was to destroy the shadow of death. That hope of Christ was to destroy any kind of doubt. The presence of Christ would overwhelm any kind of presence of evil. And as Luke wrote this up, Luke wrote, wrote about it this way. The tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. Sunrise, the breaking of the dawn, will visit us. This is the appearing of Christ. Christ is coming to visit. And when Christ comes to appear or to visit, to manifest that light, he's going to shine upon those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Shalom. In his very presence. And therefore, Peter, he would write, we also have this prophetic message as they did, as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star, that's Jesus, rises in your hearts. You see, the appearance of God, the presence of God, when God comes and speaks, you can't stay the same because you're being moved out of the darkness and you're moved in glory. This is the light. This is the shining uh, star. And the dawning would mean deliverance. You no longer have to walk in the darkness. You no longer have to walk in the shadow of death. Ever again. And even so, who revere my you, for, uh, but for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness. Again, the, the light, the brilliance. The Son of righteous, Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic. There's the joy. Like young calves, well-fed calves. You'll be bouncing around because the joy of the Lord is there. And that's what that's what John, Peter, they understood that when Christ comes and Spirit God opens your eyes, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with their eyes, they saw it. They saw him. And they've been uh, seen with their eyes, and when you've heard with their ears, and they've touched with their hands. This we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. The life appeared. As Christ appeared, so life in you would appear. And that life in you, which we have seen and testified to it, we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and 
has appeared to us. You see, the coming of Christ would be manifesting Christ the Messiah. And in that manifestation, there would be the Father revealed. There would be the meaning of the truth of God's promises and the truth of God's purposes, but the grace and kindness of God would be there. And the mystery, the mystery of this manifold manifestation is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's our calling. We can walk with majesty. We can walk as renewed, restored people because of this little one. And therefore, we sing, don't we? Glory to God, glory to God in the highest. But the Old Testament men knew that this glory was going to come and that glory would fill the earth with the knowledge, the intimate, personal understanding of who the creator is who the redeemer is and when Jesus stood on that mount of transfiguration and Peter and John saw um, the Messiah transfigured on the mount remember what happened there are two times in scripture only two times when God the Father would speak audibly in the cosmos. The first time is at the baptism of, Je of Jesus. This is my beloved son. And John the Baptist heard that. In this case, another theophany, God was Christ was transfigured into glory right before. Can any man see God and live? Yes, says John. Yes, says Peter. Because we have seen him. We've touched him. And when they saw Elijah there and they saw Moses there, God spoke the second time. He says, this is my beloved son. And when they heard that, they looked up and they only saw Jesus. If you want to find God, you want to seek God and experience, look in the face of Christ. If you want to have an experience to hear the Lord talk, look at that baby in the manger. For Peter would say, we did not follow cleverly devised uh, tales, stories, when we told you about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitness. And the voice came, we received honor and glory from the God the Father. When the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. Well, to summarize it for us today, know that God would speak in many ways in the Old Testament. He would speak in many ways in the New Testament. But we know this, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and at many times in various ways, through thunderstorms, through clouds, through uh, miracles. But in these days he has spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed the heir of all things and through him also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his peaceful, powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This promise, this person, purpose, this one 
has brought grace to light for you and me. Therefore, we have salvation. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And it teaches us to say no to the ungodliness and the worldly passions, but to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope the second appearing, the second coming of the glory of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, this is Christmas. Evil won't stop it. And when God's glory comes in, you're lifted up out of darkness. You're brought into an exodus, into the marvelous presence of a gracious, kind, healing shepherd who was born a babe. Let's pray. There's a mystery here, Father. A mystery that we have heard before, but sometimes we just kind of take for granted. But Father, I pray that you would rise in our hearts with healing in your wings that we might see Jesus Father, I pray that you would give us by your Holy Spirit the grace to look into his face and hear him and only him. And Father, as we move into this this Christmas celebration, we do want to adore you. And so would you help us do that by leading us like you led the Magi, by leading us like you led Mary and Joseph, by leading us like you led the disciples. So Father, we follow you in the hope that's ours this one who was born in a manger. And we love you for it all. And we thank you. So we want to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.